Hi everyone, welcome to Baller's Mind. This week I'm very lucky to be joined with a very special guest who has lots of footballing history about her and has been to many clubs before. And I would like to welcome Helen Ward, who currently plays for Watford and is a Welsh international. Hi Helen, how are you? Hello, I'm very good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Thank you, it's a real pleasure. Um, the first question I would like to get started with is how did your love for football come around? Um, I mean, it was a long time ago. I'm getting on a bit now, but from what I remember, basically my um, I've got an older brother and grew up in a family um, where everybody played sports. So my mum, she still plays netball now. She was playing netball and hockey. My dad plays golf. He was playing cricket and hockey as well himself when I was growing up and my brother was into football so every weekend I'd be watching some sort of sport um, whether it was my brother my mum or my dad and eventually um, I started kicking a ball around with my brother and that's sort of the game that stuck and yeah it kind of came from there so I've got a lot to thank him for even though it probably wasn't intentional on his part um, I think he's probably the the big reason as to why I got into football and used to wear his football shirts that he had and you know, we won't talk about which team that was, but um, <laughs> you can find me in his hand-me-down football shirts more often than not. So, yeah, I'd probably put that down to my older brother. I think it's always helpful having someone before you so you don't have to, not necessarily, like, go find it yourself, but it's like it gives you that platform to go, oh, actually, I might have an interest in this rather than... Yeah, yeah definitely, because I think, especially when I was growing up, girls playing football wasn't really a thing, so it wasn't that any of my friends the girlfriends anyway um it's not like any of them were playing some of my friends that were boys were obviously into football but I think if I hadn't had an older brother it certainly would have been more difficult for me to find my way in football um or you know not necessarily difficult I just don't think it would have been something that I took as much of an interest in so yeah I think you're right having someone before you whether it's a you know boy or a girl um I think somebody who you look up to you kind of want to do what they do and you know fortunately fortunately enough for me he was into football and you know I followed in his footsteps luckily it paid off <laughs> yeah I'd like to think so <laughs> um the second question is did you always know that you wanted to be a footballer growing up no definitely not um again as I said when I was young it wasn't very popular amongst girls and women I didn't even know anything about senior football when I was young um you know, whereas when you were growing up, you could look up and you'd see men's football all over the place and you knew what the Premier League was and internationals and all that kind of thing. But there was nothing that I was aware of. I didn't realise that it was something you could keep doing. I was just playing it because I enjoyed it. And even up till the age of probably 18, 19, it still wasn't a thing. I was just still playing it because I loved it. And, you know, most of my friends at that age had sort of gone through football and come out the other side and got into other things but I always just kept playing because I loved it so much and um, it was only probably when I signed for Arsenal at the age of 22 I think that it became sort of more of a career I, it was the first time I was getting paid to play, uh, to play. Um, it still wasn't professional or anywhere near that at that point this is back in 2009 so there was still a long way to go and I was still having to do other jobs alongside playing 
Um, so it certainly wasn't something that I thought would be possible, you know, to, to carry on, you know, well into my thirties as, as a career. Um, but it's nice now to, to look around and see the young girls that are playing. They've got that, that aspiration that they can go on and be the next A, B or C, you know, and they can turn their hands to football and realise there's, there's careers, not just in playing, but in football in general. Um, and, and that's really good to see because they've got something that they can aspire to and, and role models and heroes that they can look up to that people of my generation didn't have so much. Yeah, definitely. I think it's like all about the push as well. And I guess obviously because like of the, let the open letters to like the prime minister and things like that, I think it's just a general push to get everyone involved because you may not know it straight away. Like quite a few girls may think, oh, football, that's like a boy sport. I don't want to be playing with them. But until like you have the opportunity to go out there and actually try it for yourself, you may never know that it could be your next hobby and you may make it professional. Yeah, and my, my daughter, I've got an eight-year-old daughter and she she um she's in year three now and she had football as PE for the first half term of the year and I never had that at her age. So it's nice to know that I've kind of got insider uh, at school. So I know that she's getting the opportunity to play football. I don't think that she's necessarily going to go on to, to play it more seriously, but it's nice to know that the girls are getting the same chance as the boys at, at her school at least. And like you said, that the letter that the lionesses wrote to to the government and the prime minister to try and get more football in schools for girls, I think is brilliant. And, you know, it's something I've said so many times on different podcast interviews that if you can see it, you can be it. And now the girls around the UK can can see that it's it's happening. And, you know, all the news on Sky Sports News is always women's news as well now. And that's only going to help the growth of the game. And like you said, pushing it and given everybody the chance to to have a go. Definitely. Um, the second question is, um, like you've just mentioned, um, you have two children. What's it like playing for um club and then obviously going away to um, represent Wales? How is it like managing all of that and making sure like, you get the important things in as well? Yeah, it's... Uh, it's it's fun. <laughs> Sometimes it drives me mad. Um, but I'm I'm really lucky that my family are really supportive and you know, Emily's eight now, as I said, and ever since I had her, you know, there was no question of people thinking I should be giving up so that I could be with the kids, you know, twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days a year. Of course they're my priority. Um, you know, my family are everything to me, but at the same time I've I've played football for a lot longer than they've been around and nobody thought that I should have to give that up and sacrifice my career um, to be a mum. You know, you wouldn't expect that of a, of a male footballer, so we shouldn't expect it of females. But obviously there are challenges that come with it. Um, and again, it's another thing that I've said before where if you want to do something enough, you'll um, you'll make the effort and you'll make the time to make it work. If you don't want to do it, then you'll find yourself making excuses. So... It can have its problems logistically, making sure that they're looked after, especially when they were they were really young. I had to find the time for myself to train, but also needed to find babysitters and things like that. It's not quite as hard now. They're at school. I've got a bit more time in the daytime to to do bits and bobs. But um, yeah, I'm always relying on family members to help me out, whether it's their dad, my husband, um, their grandparents, all that kind of thing. Everybody chips in and, and helps out. 
um, it is probably the trickiest thing is going away on international duty because I have to make sure that everything's in place and because my husband works full time himself the kids then get shipped off to my mum and dad's for the week um, so I have to make sure they've got everything that they need that my mum and dad have got everything they need that my husband can get round and go and see them of an evening as well so it kind of throws everybody's lives up in the air for a week to 10 days but as I said thankfully everybody supports me and you know, I'm able to do it and go away knowing that they're being well looked after. Definitely. I feel like that's really nice. And it just shows that it's possible for anyone, like growing up, if there's any like young girls or like even female footballers, like they can have children and it's not a career ending thing. Like you don't need to have it and then re- like have a baby and then retire. You can go yeah. on and have a family as well. Exactly. And I think it's a big thing at the moment. There's been a few people speaking about it in the press. I think Emma Mitchell or Emma McCandy, I should say, um, at Reading has spoken of how hard she found certain things. And it is difficult and I don't think there's any point in sugarcoating it. But I also think it's important to show that it's it's also possible. Um, I do still think that clubs, football associations, you know, everything, everybody that's involved in football can do more to help women feel that it's natural and normal to do and that it doesn't need to be quite as hard as it is um I think there could be more support particularly around childcare because that's that's probably the most difficult because the phys- physical side of things as footballers you're, you're used to coming back from injuries and pushing yourself to the limit so that side of things although it is obviously difficult isn't perhaps the the hardest part I think it's the the childcare and the logistics around it all so I think there could be more to be done to support women in that sense but you know, with the maternity laws coming out a year or two ago, that's a big step in the right direction. So hopefully they, they can keep pushing it the right way and women will feel much more comfortable in having children during their career. Definitely. Um, the next question is, um, change, changing a bit, um, if you could change one thing about your career, what would it be and why? Um, I don't have too many regrets or things that I would change um you know I'm at an age now where I can look back with a with a bit of hindsight and perhaps tell my younger self to believe in myself a little bit more I don't necessarily think that there's anything I would change in terms of decisions I've made or anything like that I've had a great time at all the clubs I've been at and been successful at most of those um so I don't think there's anything I'd change in that sense but it would probably be more particularly from my move to Watford to Arsenal um, back when I was young, it was the first time I've been in a different environment. It would be maybe to to believe in myself and put myself amongst those players rather than constantly feeling like they were all better than me because, you know, going from the captain of your local team into a team full of superstars who have won countless trophies and had, at that time, many, many more international caps than I ever dreamed I'd have. Um, I'd probably put them up on the pedestal a little bit too much. Um, whereas I think if I'd have gone there and been a bit more confident and believed in myself, I could have perhaps shown a bit more. Um, but at the same time, I think even since then, I'm proud of my career in the direction that it's gone. Um, so I don't think there's anything specific I'd necessarily change. Um, just perhaps a little bit of a, a mindset switch in, in those early days that perhaps could have led to a more even more successful career. But that's all um, in hindsight and who knows what what difference it would have made. So, yeah, nothing nothing tangible, I suppose, um, or nothing big that I would change. 
Um, the only other thing I could say is is me reaching a major tournament with Wales would have been the icing on the cake. Um, but these things these things aren't easy to come by, so yeah, not necessarily a change I'd make. But like everything happens for a reason as well as you like progress through your career and like decisions you make, and I feel like every decision you make may not always feel the right one, but definitely is the right one because the if you compare it to other things that you could have done, it may have not been the right decision, but it may have felt that you made the wrong decision at the time. But when you like look back and you go, okay, yeah, that may have been the right decision. And like you say, like Wales not qualifying for a major tournament, that it might have been like the worst major tournament possible. Mm -hmm. But obviously like we don't know that, but yeah, of course, exactly. Everything happens for a reason and like it's meant to be. And like you say, I feel like when you get opportunities and mind like the mindset, I feel like it's just so important to believe in yourself. Like it may feel so like scary at the time and like imposter syndrome or things like that. But at the same time, you're there for a reason and you've been given that opportunity because you deserve to perform on the main stage, if you like. Yeah, certainly. I think um that's exactly it. Imposter syndrome is a really good way of describing probably how I felt. Um you know and that's nothing to that's nothing to do with the players or the club nobody made me feel that way I just think it was maybe a year or two if it had happened a year or two down the line I might have felt differently um but like you said everything happens for a reason they they wanted to sign me for a reason um and don't don't get me wrong I I don't feel like I was a terrible player at Arsenal I think I did okay um but I just sometimes wonder if I could have done even more um but maybe maybe I couldn't. Maybe maybe I did hit my hit my limits and I did everything I can. And you know I always know that deep down I I tried my best wherever I've been and I've given it everything. Um, and I can always be proud of that. Yeah, that's so important. I feel like as long as you give it everything and do your best, that's all you can do. So you can't yeah. move away from that. Um, sure. the next question is where do you see yourself in five years' time? Hopefully with my feet up on a beach. <laughs> um, I mean, in five years' time, cool, I'll be coming up to forty-two years old. So that seems that seems a long way away. Um, hopefully, I'd have established a a career in something in football that's you know beyond playing. I've got a few things that I'm sort of looking into, you know, with thoughts of of when my playing days are over. There's different avenues I, I might want to go down, but I certainly want to be involved in football in some way. And, you know, one area that particularly interests me is is youth development, both at club and international level. I'm really passionate about that. And not just necessarily developing good footballers, but developing good people um, and helping them in the, the early stages of the game, which, as I mentioned earlier, I didn't really have the issues that some of the kids growing up, yes, they've got hundreds of opportunities that I didn't have, but at the same time, they've got a lot more pressure than I had. Um, and I'd like to be able to help them in some way of, of trying to dealing with, deal with that and, you know, making sure that they don't sacrifice other areas of their lives at that age, because, you know, between the ages of 12 and 18, they're really important years of anybody's life. Um, and for footballers, it should be no different. And yes, football might be a priority and them getting to the top of the game might be something that they're desperate to do. But I think it's important that they don't forget about school, college, university or anything like that. And, you know, potential things that they could do around football, um, life skills, 
all those sorts of things. So I'm I'm really passionate about that. So perhaps in, you know, within the next five years, I'd like to be in a role that can have an impact on on that sort of age range. Definitely, I feel like that's so important, and I haven't really like heard much about it till now. And I feel like it's just so important because everything, obviously, like foot, if you want to get into football and become a professional, you put everything into it. But I feel like there's different avenues as well. I feel that gets covered up by the work rate it is and how hard it is to become professional. Yeah, I think it's um you really have to balance it and it's always going to be a priority, rightly or wrongly. And I think it's right that if you want to be a footballer, you're going to put everything into it. Um, But I think it's also important that even if you reach the very top of your game, women's football at the moment and probably for the foreseeable future, yes, the finances are going up and, and the money that some of the players are being paid is fantastic. But I don't think it's still going to be enough for them to retire at mid-30s, perhaps, if they're lucky enough to, to go on for that long. You retire from football, you're not going to be able to live on the money you've earned. Whereas a men's professional player in the Premier League could probably retire off of about a year's worth of Premier League football. So it's a very different place and you need to remember that you're going to need to then go into something different after your playing days. So as important as it is to put everything into being the best player you can be, I think you need to make sure that you've got things in the background going on that can keep you, not only make you ready for when the day comes that you do have to give up, um, but also keep you busy and keep your mind away from football at times. So I think it's unhealthy to be 24-7 football, football, football. I think for your mental health, you need to have something else as well to focus on that can distract you from what is a very stressful job at times in playing football. Definitely. Um, I'm going to move on to um, some questions that I've asked everyone that's been on so far. And they're just um, a little bit like lighthearted questions and to get to know you a bit more. Um, so who's your favourite footballer at this moment in time? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, Male or female? Yeah. Uh, oh. I did have. I did know you were going to ask this, and I still can't think of an answer at the moment. Um, in terms of, I'm I'm a big Watford fan, so I'm going to go safe. And at the minute, because I've seen a lot of him this season, I'm really really enjoying watching Jao Pedro play. Um, young Brazilian, he's got the world at his feet, and. I'm going to put it out there and say that he could make the Brazil 2026 World Cup squad. I think he's that good. Hopefully Watford can keep hold of him for a little bit longer, um, potentially get us back into the Premier League. But yeah, I'm enjoying watching him at the moment. I know there's hundreds of other players playing it in the Premier League and in, in other divisions at the minute who are also flying. But yeah, I'm really enjoying watching him play at the minute. Definitely. And we heard it here first, so I'm expecting him to be at the World Cup. <laughs> The next question is, um, if you're going to have a cheat meal and treat yourself, what's your go-to takeaway? Uh, a curry. I'm going to no. go curry, yeah. Um, ever since the kids were little as well, they've been, they love their chicken tikka. So if we get a takeaway as a family, it's always going to be a curry with the papa doms, naan bread, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's my go-to. That's definitely up there with the best takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next question is, um, what's your go-to Nando's order? Oh, okay. Um, I, gen I do change it up from time to time, but generally speaking, 
it would be probably a double double chicken wrap medium maybe or lemon and herb if i'm feeling a bit less brave um with no yogurt in it just the chili jam and peri peri chips with the corn on the cob nice the peri salted chips are something that i only discovered fairly recently probably within the last year and i wish i'd known about them before yeah so. i feel like they're under wraps like unless someone else you're with gets them and you're like oh what's that let me try exactly. that yeah, they're good. They're they're elite level. Um, the next question is, um, if you're at home or going to the cinema, what are your go-to film snacks? Do you know I love how many food questions there are. <laughs> um, chocolate always. Yeah, always got some chocolate. I think if you're at the cinema, something like buttons or counters. Not as keen on minstrels. I prefer the ones without the shell. The counters. Yeah, counters are nice. Yeah, a bit smoother, a bit softer. Um, so yeah, definitely something chocolate based. A Tango ice glass. Yeah, nice. Obviously, if I'm at the cinema, I don't have a machine at home. <laughs> <laughs> um, and popcorn, sweet and salty popcorn. Nice. That Very goes more. Yeah, if I'm at home, then it'd probably be a cherry Pepsi Max instead of the ice glass. Nice. But chocolate popcorn always. Um, another food question. As you can tell, I really like food. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're hosting a come down with me. Who are the five celebrities you're inviting? They can be dead or alive. Wow. Um, five. That's a busy house. Somebody funny. I reckon. I'm a massive fan of Friends. The so same. really, I quite like to ask all six of them. But obviously, I can only have five guests. So I would choose Joey, the character yeah. Joey, rather than... I mean, Matt LeBlanc, I'm sure, is very funny himself, but a Joey and Matt LeBlanc kind of um, vibe. I'm going with him. Um, oh. I'd probably invite a celebrity chef, someone like Gino, so he can do the cooking. Yeah, he, he can, can do, do all the cooking. He and he's cooking. funny as well. He's funny. In fact, I might invite Gino, Gordon, and Fred. All three of them can come along. Yeah. Look after the food, the banter. Fred can be like the host. Basically, I'm just sitting back, not doing any of the work and listening to them all and laughing. So that's four. One more. Um, oh, somebody inspiring. Um, do you know I'm going to go David Attenborough? Nice. Just come and calm everyone down a little bit, give a bit of wisdom, you know, be the granddad of the of the group and make everybody settle down a little bit. So yeah, they're my five. Give you a first hand documentary. Yeah. I mean it's a very male dominated guest list, but I feel like they bring vibes, so it's all good. Yeah. They bring entertainment, chilled. They've get got all levels covered. Exactly. The food will be banging, the yeah. entertainment will be superb. And then story time from David Attenborough. I mean, yeah. what what more do you want? <laughs> Absolutely thriving. Yeah, Joey doesn't share food though, so we'd have to. Make oh sure yeah, he can have his own plate. Yeah, he can have his own dinner. Um, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you. For thank you again. And I hope that this has been able to um inspire lots of people whether that's 
looking for different jobs out of football or in in football or even having children in football and that it's okay to have children in football as well and having celebrity guests at dinner thank you so much for everyone everyone for listening and i hope you all enjoyed see you next time <laughs>